1: from Complex to Queens. I'm Apple Sources Minor League Podcast. I'm Steve Seipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing good. How are you doing? All right, I'm getting over being sick, so if I cough on this podcast, I apologize.
4: He has not COVID this time, thankfully.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I... Didn't I didn't test positive? Then I did test positive, and so I don't know what's what anymore. I went to the doctor, and they said that I have an upper respiratory infection, but that was like a week, a week plus after my initial positive, not positive COVID. So I don't even know. No one knows nothing anymore. It is what it is. Um. Before we go on, I just want to uh, mention uh, just everyone out there, you know, listeners, just keep canon uh, in your thoughts and prayers this week. You could definitely use it. So we're going to start off now, promote Extend Trade. And May the 4th just passed. So we are hmm. all individuals well vested in the lore of Star Wars.
4: I may or may not be playing uh, Jedi Survivor right now.
1: Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> and we're also well-versed in video game-esque things. So, what classes are we going to promote Extend Trade? Ah, uh, yes. We have the Jedi Guardian, the Jedi Consular, and the Jedi Sentinel.
4: I remember w- when the these classes were tied, like, almost... It, it, like it was just an excuse to get the lightsaber color you wanted basically it was like blue <laughs> yeah. green yellow i don't was that in Kodor or it is
0: yeah like and it has different like <clears throat> very different force but like there were like a few like uh unique force abilities but i don't remember what they are offhand
4: because i remember wanting a blue lightsaber and not loving the guardian force abilities or something along this line or maybe i wanted <laughs> the yellow one because it was different i i don't
0: remember
1: Now lightsaber colors are democracy. So mm-hmm. it's I think I used to choose Sentinel all the time.
4: Yeah, I think Sentinel had the coolest abilities.
0: Because I think they had the offensive abilities, if I'm remembering it correctly. It's been a minute, it's been but I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure they had more. Sentinels had more, like it was a more of a tank build. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna go deep into RPG <laughs> discussions, and um, that's what I want my main character to always be. Is that I feel like it's easier to reliably build up health that way. So I think I always chose
1: Sentinel. I'm a guardian. Just guy. felt balanced. Yeah, you were yeah. what? I'm a counselor guy because you can always boost your stats with force powers. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that
0: feels like when you choose when you're a little older and like kind of understand the functionality yeah. more. But yeah. when you're like twelve, you're like, that's boring. It's like, Dam- it's like playing numbers go <laughs> it, it, It's it's like playing Pokemon when I was like ten and not choosing and just having four attack moves because I was like the other things don't do anything. And then when I'm yep. like twenty five, I'm like, oh yes, but now I could use this to boost that you know you can set up. And... Exactly. Leech. Like I'm actually thinking
1: about it. <laughs> Leech seed, hell yeah.
4: Poison right, bar. <laughs> uh what's the rock one that does damage uh when your opponent changes Pokemon uh I don't remember.
0: Anyway. Oh, it's like, it's like, it's it, it's kind of like things on the floor. That
4: yeah, they, yeah. I forget <laughs> what it's called.
5: Mm.
0: They're like little spiny, like pointy yeah. rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't even remember that power. I was only a generation one and two person. <clears throat> Never played anything past Pokemon Gold and Silver.
4: Um. I mean, I think for, I think for me, I'm still I'm trading uh, a a consular just because when I at the time I played the game, it was the one I would choose least frequently. Um. Also, always been more of a blue lightsaber kind of guy, not into the <laughs> green.
0: It, yeah, I was like, I was gonna say, I think that one's green.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not into the green.
0: So, <clears throat> Guardian I'm, or Sentinel. I'm, I'm trying Fallen Order again because like I struggled having fun with it the first time through even no, though same. like i know i know it's fun but like and i've seen people play it but for me personally i was like frustrated a little by it mm-hmm. and i have an orange lightsaber and i'm like you know what it's kind of lit like we, <laughs> we need weird colors like bring those back like yeah. mace Windu, if he wanted it like I, i'm pretty sure uh samuel L. jackson was like no give me purple or something
4: <laughs> that's literally that's literally what happened according to both he and george lucas was like i want a purple lightsaber that, of course, says Motherfucker on it. So,
1: <laughs> But that's um, cool. Like, the weird mm-hmm. colors are fun. Mm-hmm. If that game had a fast travel feature, I would actually, like, go back and finish it. But well, it good news.
4: The new one has fast travel. Oh, or so God. I'm told. I'm not at the point where I've unlocked fast travel yet. I'm just getting my ass handed to me by a rancor repeatedly right now.
0: Yeah, I've heard Survivor is a lot better. Even though, like, people really like Fallen Order.
4: I did, look, Fallen Order was good, not great, I think. That's that's my stance on it. I enjoyed I just,
1: it. I just remember being stuck on a planet and there's this is fucking puzzle with like giant balls, like boulders.
0: Ah, the Zepho, yes. Yeah, I and
1: I, I just did that like three days oh, ago. <laughs> and then like I finished it and I'm just like, wait, I don't know how to get out of here now. I it's, just want to go back to my ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat>
0: It was very much a game while I was playing it, even the first time. I was like, I could see the sequel being really good when they yep. figure out when they figure out what works and what doesn't work. But right now it's not there yet. And yeah. that's what seems to have happened with Survivor.
4: <laughs> I think everyone loved Fallen Order just because we'd been so starred for good Star Wars video yeah. game content for so long.
0: And I like how, like legitimately think he's like a yes. pretty good character.
1: yes. Yeah, the the story is decent, the characters are decent, the graphics are, like... I'm not a big graphics person, but, you know, like, something like Star Wars and Awesome Graphics, it's, like, built, you know, like, they, they just go together. <clears throat> the graphics are great. Like, Funny. it's a good game, just, like, one or two flaws, but they're just, like, really big flaws.
4: Yeah, it, I, I, I kind of agree. I I don't... Yeah, it was, it was good, not great. I'm never, never going to go replay it, like... I'm much more likely to honestly go back and replay *Knights of the Old Republic* because, like, even though the gameplay is aged, like, that's <laughs> it's just more enjoyable to me. Funny on Cal Kestis, I was rewatching. I'm rewatching. Uh, it's like Lance Reddick died recently, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was one of my favorite characters in *Fringe*. I don't know if anyone has watched that show, yeah. but I'm rewatching an episode, and I'm like, and there's this ginger like kid who's a character in one episode just like a, a one-off episode i'm like huh this guy looks familiar his voice sounds kind of familiar well who the hell is this keep in mind this episode was filmed in like 2008 or 2009
0: and yeah, he must have been young at that time
4: yeah and then it finally hits like holy shit it's cal kestis <laughs> cal kestis is in the back of this car using mind control literally on these people i'm like oh shit cool nice. um Also, that ad that uh, Mark Hamill did for Survivor is absolutely fantastic. I don't know if you guys saw that or
0: not. Yeah, uh, I saw it. It was really good.
4: Basically, Steve, you did did see it? No, no, no. So (laughs) basically, they have the actor who plays Cal Kestis in his mocap suit, like, doing lightsaber stuff. And Mark Hamill is sitting by, like, a coach, like, Mm -hmm. you telling him to use the forest, complaining he never got to use two lightsabers. It's very well done. It's a very (laughs) funny commercial.
1: That's funny.
4: I love Mark Hamill.
1: All right. Moving on now to our way too early draft updates. Um, This week, um, my guy called Karig, his team, San Diego State University Aztecs, they were supposed to play uh, California State University Northridge at the beginning of the week, but that game got canceled. And they played San Diego State over the weekend. They were supposed to play five games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, which is kind of crazy. Two doubleheaders Jesus. in a row, yeah, because of you know a lot of cancellations earlier on. Um, they ended up only playing four of the five. They canceled one of the uh, doubleheaders, the one that was scheduled on Friday, it was just outright canceled. Um, so not including the game that they're currently playing right now, but over uh, three games, Corrigan is one for ten with two strikeouts. Kind of a boring week um he's currently hitting 322 347 509 with two home runs 11 stolen bases eight walks to 17 strikeouts um so very much stock is down and would not draft <laughs> but i don't know what the hell i mean lucas you've you've been out there like what i thought california is supposed to be so nice they, they canceled I mean, a lot of games here what the hell's going well,
4: on? well uh they finally got all the rain they've been missing for the last 10 years basically <laughs> yeah that's true once.
5: it's <laughs>
1: that's also true. an
4: it's also an el nino el nino year so the weather patterns are all fucky it's it's crazy though like mm. climate's normal though no, nothing to see here move it's along
1: it's going well it's going <laughs> well this is fine
4: this is this is normal all natural
1: mm. All right, uh, Lucas, MSU outfielder Colton Bedle- Ledbetter.
4: Bedletter, yes, excellent. Bedletter! We can, we can spoon- spoonerize even within his last name, excellent. Um, He only played two games this week. Uh, they're playing right now, I think. This is always the challenge with recording on Sunday, like the Sunday yeah. games yeah. either are still happening or uh, – anyway, only two games, three for nine, a steal, two two strikeouts. nothing, Nothing exciting, nothing dramatic. He's still hitting 325, 461, 598 on the year. Lots of talk about him being a really analytical darling in terms of his exit velocities and launch angles. And honestly, that all makes sense from watching him. It's like, yeah, yeah, that that ball is smoked and it's at like 14 degrees and it's perfect. Um, some more mixed, like I, I, I can't say that I've watched enough of him to like be confident he's a center fielder, but I think he looks fine out there Um but who, who knows? But even, even if he if he can hit enough to 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 do what he's doing now in a corner, that's totally fine. Um, yeah. Also has still reached base in all but two games this season. So and this is in the SEC. This is like legit competition. I, I I don't I don't understand how he's not already like pumped to the top of draft boards, but he's still floating in that twenty to forty range. I think he could be there.
1: <clears throat> That'd be nice. We got about two. We got about one month or so left of college baseball, and then we got about two months left <clears throat> until the draft. So, we'll see. I still hate how late it is. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, like I know, it. I know. I mean, it makes sense objectively, but I hate it. All right, um, last but not least is Hamilton High School's shortstop. Slash quarterback (laughs) Rokolowski.
0: Um, his week was also boring. He only played two games. Um, went 0 for four and one, which is a surprise. That's like his first 0 for since uh like early May, uh April rather. So obviously he hits the ball a ton, but he just went 0 for four one game, and then he went two for four the next game. They won both the game. (laughs) The game they went 0 for four, and he they won nine nothing. So whatever. But it's probably
4: no. like, you guys got this. I'm taking a yeah, break. Yeah,
0: whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but you know how it goes. High school kid, real good, going to go to UCLA. That's really what it seems to be right now.
1: Yep. All right. Um, now we move on to Mets affiliates for this week. And Syracuse Mets... <clears throat> they played a series against the Lehigh Valley Iron Picks, which is the Phillies AAA affiliate, and they went 1-5 against them. Not a great week. And they are 15-18 and 18 on the season now, which is nine and a half games behind the Norfolk Tides in the International League East.
4: Norfolk is Baltimore,
1: right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're really... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's smart to have your teams around your area of influence um tides are are like running away with the division um you know syracuse is bad don't get me wrong but nine and a half games is not really as bad as it seems because the number two team uh the jacksonville jumbo shrimp they're in second place they're seven games behind so seven games you know nine and a half games figure you know syracuse is maybe you know one or two games from being in second place you gotta look on the bright side because they're, they, they're bad in, like, a prospect-y way.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they, like,
0: win games, but, like, yeah, no one's there, you know? Mm-hmm. They're winning games because, like, Tim LaCastro gets a hit, not because, like, a prospect, you know? Yep.
5: like LeCastro obviously,
1: got a home run today, not just a oh, hit. I know, that's wow. why.
0: That, that, that's <laughs> why I was thinking about him. He had a home run today. But, like, they're kind of better than Syracuse was, in a way, than they used to be, because they used to be, like, old veterans and bad. But now with... It was Beatty to start the year and Ronnie and uh, Mauricio and, uh, and Ronnie and Mauricio. Mauricio and Vientos, they're hitting they have a couple of prospects who are really destroying the ball. And the rest of the veterans are like good enough players for a triple A that they're just gonna win some games.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, the, the problem with Syracuse is their pitching just is terrible because they are they're the most offensive minded team I think, in the entire International League. I haven't checked in maybe like a week or two, but like as a team, collectively, they're hitting like 288 or something like that, which is crazy when you... The run
4: environment is also on the moon.
1: Well, yeah, that too. But when a team is hitting that good, you know, and there's still three games under 500, that puts things into perspective. Well, speaking of being under 500, let's move on to the next... Team in the system, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, and they played the Somerset Patriots, the Yankees' Double A affiliate, and they also went one and five in the week. So, Rumble Ponies are 11 and 14 on the season now, and they are seven and a half games behind the Portland Sea Dogs, Boston's Double A affiliate, um, for first place in the uh, Eastern League Northeast. <clears throat> Brooklyn Cyclones, they played the Aberdeen Ironbirds, who is older Orioles' uh, high A affiliate. And they split the series 3-3. So Brooklyn is 9-14 on the season. And that's dead last in the South Atlantic League North. um, Seven and a half games behind the Hudson Valley Renegades. Yankees affiliate, first place in the division. And lastly are the St. Lucie Mets. And they played the Jupiter Hammerheads this week. Uh, Jupiter is the Marlins affiliate, and they went two and four, and that leaves St. Lucie uh, seven and twenty on um, the season. Now. Yeah, um, St.
4: Lucie is bad. I thought St. Lucie was actually gonna be pretty okay this year. I was see, wrong.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of kind of was like the opposite with um, Syracuse. Syracuse has like all of the prospecty bats. And St. Lucie, we were expecting to have a lot of prospective pitchers, but a lot of those prospective pitchers, unfortunately, you know, hurt. Um, Ziegler could have conceivably started at St. Lucie. He's hurt. Joel Diaz, Tommy John, he also conceivably could have started at St. Lucie. Um, you know, who else is out there? Lionel Ovalles is not having a great start to the year.
4: I thought Tobrak would be there, but he went to Brooklyn anyway, and is and, now hurt.
1: Yeah, and he's hurt. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's not great. You know, we're gonna we're gonna go over the top twenty-five prospects and, and kind of take some temperatures um, after the break in a couple of seconds. But yeah, it's it's not a uh, it's not good.
5: Yeah, so the, whole, the whole the
4: whole org is just a depressing place right now. For being honest,
0: yeah. it's somehow gotten worse. It, the minors. Yeah. I don't really know how, like they've made seemingly pretty smart hires and obviously not, not everything. It's just, no one's, no one's really getting better. Well, a few guys are like a very few, and it's, I think we, it's we'll talk tabby. about it. Later, yeah. Like yeah. Two seconds. So
1: exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so, um, St. Lucy is, um, well behind, first place. The nine games back, they, they, uh, the Hammerheads were originally in sole possession in first place. Well, they lost uh, one half of the doubleheader on Sunday against St. Lucie, so that knocked them down a half game, and the Palm Beach Cardinals are now tied with them. So, you know, either way, it doesn't really matter, because, again, St. Lucie's nine games back, but, you know, <laughs> nine games to the Hammerheads, nine games to the Palm Beach Cardinals, whatever, It's still nine games. Still definitely uh, not optimal.
2: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
3: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law.
1: 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. So with the month of April done and over now, we're going to take a look at our top prospects. We're going to see how they've done, how the stocks are doing, um, like a month into the season. Month plus, really. Uh, Syracuse played a little bit in March. And full disclosure, I'm kind of lazy. And I included this past week's numbers into things. And, and it's May, but whatever, close enough. <clears throat> so, first up is our number one prospect, Francisco Alvarez. And he hit 250, 368, 688 in four games with Syracuse. And then he got called up to the Mets because of Omar Naviz's injury. And his time on the MLB roster has kind of been hit and miss, touch or go. Um, He's hitting 213, 245, 298 as a whole, not taking into uh, not factoring in Sunday's game, but he's definitely starting to look more comfortable um, at the plate. He had a home run today. He
0: almost had a home run today.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. It was like four inches under the line. Um, He had a very loud double. You know, I think he's hitting like 300 in his last like six games or something like that. Uh, I'll defense. admit I was
4: quite concerned with his how he looked initially, but he seems to have
0: like corrected things. Yeah, yeah, he definitely was not. He was definitely jittery at first. I think <clears throat> like he was definitely trying to do too much, and mm-hmm. then Buck just started playing him more. And whoa, 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 whoa,
4: whoa. <laughs> he was play with... young players? No, he was
0: better once he played more. You know, that's crazy.
4: <clears throat> that's uh, I,
1: don't, I don't buy that.
0: Who would have thunk? He also looks good defensively.
1: Yeah, so I read something like he's his framing numbers are second good. to third. Right, he's like second to third in the league in like fr- framing runs saved or framing. Yeah, runs. his, his However, down it's, framing stuff is yeah.
0: really nice. And he looks he looks fine, totally fine back there. Obviously he hasn't. I don't think he's thrown out anyone. But with twenty twenty three bases. I, I don't. It's like impossible. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so how long is Narvaez out for? At least another month. Right? He's on the 60. They, they so put him he's on the out 60. for a while. Oh, okay, so.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if it's Narvaez and Alvarez. <clears throat> the,
4: <clears throat> I I say this is like uh, the one of the biggest defenders of Tomas Nito. He has reached offensive levels that are too yeah. bad. That's <laughs> like
0: I I am with you in the defense of him and also I agree. Like I think and if the team is still scuff, scuffling a bit, even if they're not scuffling a bit, obviously they're gonna not. I don't think they're gonna be in first place by the time Norvaez comes back, unless something Herculean happens. But <clears throat> that'll just they're go, they're probably gonna need the offense, and Norvaez could hit righties, and then you could you could kind of use Alvarez as like a fancy half DH guy. You know, you could kind of get creative with that. It might be three catchers. I don't know.
1: Well, we'll see. But yeah, Tomas Nito
0: is—it's <clears throat> not great. He looks cooked, like he straight up does. He looks done, which is wild.
4: Like I—I I mean, I, look, he's not a good. I never thought he'd be a good hitter, but how, how? Where? How are you supposed to predict this level of offensive collapse in this game? Mu much with like a lot of the problems with the Mets this year. It's just like. Yeah, this was a possibility, but this was a, a fifth or tenth percentile outcome, and everyone's that's, hitting it at the same time. It's it's nuts. Yeah.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I don't know if that makes me it, – it, I flip-flop on if that's optimism or pessimism that this can't continue anymore or, oh, Jesus, they're screwed. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I don't even know how to, like, analyze it either because no. it's so – it's so all over. And it's not all over, but you know what I mean. It's so, like – unpredictable. Like, if Marte was cooked, but everyone else was fine, sure. Cano was cooked, but everyone else was fine, sure. But everyone, sh- everyone's cooked at was once. Cooked? Yeah.
1: yeah, like...
4: <laughs> if half of these guys were cooked and they didn't have weird injuries, it'd be fine. But they're all cooked and have weird injuries. That's ridiculous.
1: Mm, it's crazy, hey, yeah. It's the Mets. Oh. <clears throat> One guy who's definitely holding up his side of the bargain so far, his number two prospect, Kode Senga. Mets are giving him plenty of rest in between starts. Um, you know, I'm not going to say they're babying him, but they're definitely handling him carefully. But if he keeps pitching the way he has, I have no problem with the way that they're using him, You know, giving him six, seven days in between starts. Um, so far, he has a solid 338 ERA in 32 innings, 25 hits allowed, 22 walks and 36 strikeouts. You know, the walks have always kind of been an issue with him, maybe not this exaggerated, um, but it's part of who he is. We all knew that. And outside of the walks, really, there's nothing else to complain about. You know, he's, he's doing exactly what the Mets need him to do.
0: I'd like to see him pitch deeper into games, but that's also tied to the walks. Yeah. <clears throat> he's throwing so many pitches and innings and all that stuff. It's tough, but. He looks good.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, number three prospect, uh, Brad Beatty. He was very impressive in nine games at Syracuse. He was hitting 400, 500, 886 when they called him up. And it's been 16 games now since he's uh, been on the major league roster. Well, you mean and once he hit those developmental goals, right? Steve? Right, right, of course, yes. Once, he's, once he developed. Um You know, he struggled a little bit at first, kind of like Alvarez, but he's kind of getting more regular playing time. And lo and behold, now he's hitting 294, 357, 471. What's Um, What's his strikeout rate at this point? I haven't checked.
4: Did he get it below 30? That's a
5: good question.
1: Let's see. Brett Beatty. Oops. That's not Brad Beatty. That's JJ Bidet. (laughs) Brad Beatty, his strikeout rate, I don't think that Fangrass factors in today's game. so...
0: Not for strikeout rate. Yeah. So it
1: is. Oh, is it in the today's date? It should be in the today's game thing at the top. His strikeout rate is 23.2%. Nice. And his walk rate is 8.9. I mean. Why was.
4: (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) See, it'd be easier to. Like, I've been making this point on Slack and a little bit on Twitter. Like, I don't want. Like, I can't feel angry at the Mets front office necessarily for the way the Major League roster has turned out. And, like. And then I'm like, should we be mad at them for the way the prospect development is going? I don't know that we should, but then they do things like don't make Brett Beatty the starting third baseman and they, they. you have to call everything they do into doubt because that was very obvious at the time.
0: Yeah, he should have broke—as soon as Correa didn't sign, he yes. should have been, like, heavily penciled. I'm talking about, like, sure, you, you, you don't want to pen him in yet. You want to, like, you want to make the pencil mark real real dark so it's hard to erase, but you can still erase it if you need to. But he should have just been the guy. And then they were, like, letting him mess around in Syracuse for, like, a week. Doing nothing. And then hitting ninth or whatever, an eighth. Like, okay, cool. He he gets a single to no one because mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah strikes out or whatever. You know, like, my hot
4: take should be, is that he should be batting second at this point
0: until Marte moved, is
1: back. Uh, they moved him up to what fifth, I think today. Five, yeah, yeah he's protecting right. Alonzo
0: because um, <laughs> it was McNeil hit second, I think, or third, something like that.
4: Anyway, Brett Beatty is
1: good. Yeah. I mean Yeah. You know, basically right now, Corbin Carroll has a very firm grasp on Rookie of the Year. But if Beatty keeps playing like he's been playing, it's gonna be there's gonna there's gonna be a fight between the two of them.
4: Mm-hmm. It's
0: real James Altman hours. Come on. Yeah, James <laughs> James
4: Altman might also be I have I have something of a provocative take here. Should we have ranked Brett Beatty higher than Francisco Alvarez? I think the answer is yes.
1: I mean, you you have to factor also defensive position and stuff, and just Alvarez as a catcher that has offensive ability is more valuable than a third baseman who has offensive ability.
0: Because if Alvarez was, if we were sure that he wasn't a catcher, and he was a DH. Then like I don't would, think.
1: Would then like Alvarez is. Would
4: yeah. I mean, I'm more talk. I, I don't know. I think Beatty's off. <laughs> the, the, this was also somewhat informed by Alvarez's early struggles, and he's improved since. So, just an idea. They're both doing well. It's nice to see. You know. Also, Beatty looks
0: like has gone well. Beatty looks like a star. Like mm-hmm. I know this is like hot take city at this point, but Beatty looks like he could be like. A for reals, guy, yeah, everything yeah, he hasn't
1: looked,
4: looked overmatched. It looks great. His defense hasn't even looked that bad.
1: It's been fine, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've said since I don't even know how long I've been saying that it's his defensively, he's fine. I, I feel like, as people, as prospect, ranker, watcher, evaluators, whatever we call ourselves, we kind of pre program in ourselves that if a guy is not a awesome defensive player at his position then that's like a major liability red flag when in reality as a baseball player you know like you're not the greatest at what you do Eh, it's okay you're good enough and Beatty's always been eh to good enough you know the last year two years whatever in in Brooklyn and Binghamton he was kind of bad when I saw him in Kingsport but that was also like he was 19 freshly drafted and I I don't want to say he was fatter, but he was definitely uh,
0: stockier. <laughs> yeah. And also yeah, he didn't uh, have he didn't have professional defensive coaching. Right. Like exactly. He had,
5: yeah.
0: He was playing third or whatever in Texas. Like I'm sure his high school t- t- coaches know what they're talking about, but it's not the same. No. It's not the same rep work. It's not the same time <laughs> he's putting in. It's like this is his job. So all he's doing is working on his craft at this point. He's not going to school. Which he needs to do, of course. I'm not saying don't go to school to play third base, but you know what I mean. He's able to put more time into all of it now.
1: Yep, yep, yep. All right. Um, number four, Kevin Parada. Through 21 games, uh, Parada's hitting two thirty eight, three .340, .425 with two homers, 12 walks, and 24 strikeouts. He was in a pretty deep slump as recently as mid-April. Um, at the lowest point, he was hitting 208, 361, 333. But he, he woke up uh, the last two series, the last eight games or so, especially in the power department. He has uh, four doubles, a triple, and a home run in his last couple of games. So that's He hit a bomb yeah, on Friday. That's good. Like a big bo- A big boy homer on Friday. Definitely good that he's finally waking up, but all that in mind, I'm going to have to say that he's kind of stocked down just because like our expectations were a lot higher than what he's doing right now, which is not objectively terrible, but not particularly great either. I mean, do you really want your first round high level college hitter hitting 238, 340, 425 with not great defense, you know? Honestly, um, okay, Lucas, go ahead, because no, I'm no, no,
4: go, this. go. I, I, I was gonna say that I know he's. The sample is small. I don't want to jump to any conclusions. I also know he's picked it up this week. I think they need to change the swing.
1: Like, yeah, uh, he had a kind of funky swing always. It's like gotten funkier.
4: He's yeah, practically like <laughs> tilting his bat towards the ground down his back. It doesn't make any sense. Like. And the sad reality is I don't have any faith in the Mets to, to, to correct that in a semi-intelligent hey, way.
1: Hey, if it works for Kevin Euclid, it'll work for Kevin <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Okay?
0: The, the two things I was going to say, because they're separate, is the defense is so bad you might have to move him. Like, it's bad. It's, like, almost unplayably bad. Obviously, you could wait a little bit on that, but it's rough. And also... If you have to re, if you have to rank the 25 top prospects today would you guys put him one because I mm, would not
1: no definitely not I don't what do you mean one?
0: like one overall as a met as the Mets as the Met's top 25 prospects oh, correct.
1: To today. one two and three are basically all gone with Alvarez oh, and K- Ksenga, yeah it's it's,
0: it's jet now like he's he's the number one prospect and Lucas was yeah. right now Lucas is correct. From his hot take from the beginning of the season. (laughs) I'm trying to to think
4: if I would have would even have Pirata. No, I mean I guess he still would be two for me because the rest of the system has been so underwhelming. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm sure we're going to get to. So carry on, Steve.
1: All right. So yeah, number five, Jet Williams. Uh, Through nine games, he's hitting right now 231, 429, 534 with one home run, six steals, and 21 strikeouts. Um, The average is not great, but, you know, whatever. OVP is fantastic. Uh, Strikeouts, not excessive. Um, Lack of power is a little concerning, but, I mean, you can't really say anything is... He's, he's not doing anything wrong. you know. I'm going to say that his stock is holding just because, A, it's so early, and B, there's nothing that he's doing wrong. And he also had a little injury issue at the end of, of, of April, you know, complicating things. He missed, I think, like four games, three games, whatever it was. Yeah, what was that? Him.
4: I don't think I ever saw anything about what
1: that was. He got hit by a pitch, and then oh, he was okay. out. So, I don't care. Yeah. I mean, he came back on the field, so it's not like he, he got hit and broke anything mm-hmm so but yeah i mean he jet is young you know it's his first taste of professional baseball he's you know again the the walk rate is fantastic the, he's not striking out excessively i can deal with that while well, he learns to you know get better ball get better bat on ball you know
3: <clears throat> i agree
1: yep
4: it's been a little bit more passive than i would like at the plate but i prefer that to the alternative so
0: yeah, it's better yeah, to it's get into... sh- it's, it's showing an ability to walk and everything.
1: Right, it's, it's better t- to get into good, good habits like that, being a little too passive and taking your walks than just becoming a crazy swinger. All right, number six, Blade Tidwell. <clears throat> Tidwell currently has a 540 ERA in 16.2 innings over four starts. He's allowed 14 hits. He's walked 10 and he struck out 26. Um, 10 walks is a little concerning in 16.2 innings, but you know Tidwell's never a pinpoint control guy. I think that's something that'll normalize itself with some more innings because he's never been like a crazy wild pitcher either. Um, I'm gonna just say his stock is holding because everything else, you know, has looked solid. The fastball looked good. Sliders looked good. Strikeout numbers are great. He's just walking too many guys right now. But at six point, you know, sixteen point two innings, one or two walks in a game could, could, you know, that translates to like, you know, a six walk per nine rate. <clears throat> yeah, you I've must, seen him. Go ahead, Lucas.
4: No, no, that's uh, you, you. I'm much more concerned about the velocity, holding yeah. it to starts than I am about the control at the moment. But yeah,
0: <clears throat> it's um. I've seen him only on TV, but I've seen him a few times now, and it's very much his sweeper is clearly it's clearly his best pitch and he locates it like pretty much whatever he wants, but everything else is like, he, he has trouble locating stuff and that's just stuff. It'll come with time, but there'll be a bats where his fastball is like not single level, but it'll not even be close. And then he'll like dot a slider. And I'm like, what the hell does that come from? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like how could you do both? Of, like I, it's kind of backwards to me, but the pitch is good. Like his main pitch is good right now. It's really just the fastball slider that he's doing a lot of his work on. But there's the, you can see the building blocks for him, which is
1: nice. Yeah, yep.
4: And his shoulder is so far healthy, which is arguably yep. the most important
1: part. Yeah, that's. He has been on the field. <laughs> yep. He is pitching. That's that's what we want. <clears throat> All right, number seven, uh, center field to Alex Ramirez. He has appeared in 21 games for Brooklyn this season. Now he is currently hitting .259, 330 341 with one homer. Four steals and seven walks to nineteen strikeouts. Um, Ramirez played half his season in Brooklyn last year. He he played in sixty-seven games for them. And for that reason, I'm gonna say that Ramirez's stock is is down. Um, I agree. Yep. I think that he, you know, he has sixty-seven games of experience at this level. He's faced guys that can spot their fastballs, locate their breaking balls a little bit better. Um you know we, we really have not seen much improvement in that regard
5: mm-hmm.
1: and it's uh, it is what it is
0: yeah he needs to be better at the level if he's going to repeat it
1: yep. right exactly i mean and he's still young so he has time and brooklyn we know is a kind of weird environment
0: especially yeah. early
1: yeah yeah i'm uh
0: so old sometimes
4: I would have liked for the Mets to try harder to trade him this off se- like this past off season, um, just to, to like to make a buy now, a win now move. Because I don't was not a huge fan, but I, I hope that he can have a bit of a bounce back and they can actually parlay him into something useful.
1: Yeah, well, here's my, once once the weather starts getting warmer, we'll see. Love those. God, what was it like this week? like 49 degrees. (laughs) Love those 49 degree nights in Coney Island when it's kind of wet, moist. (sighs) All right. uh, Next, I'm going to do these two guys simultaneously because because they're just both really doing really good. Number eight, number nine, Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, In 30 games, Vientos is hitting 339, 424, 696 with 10 home runs. 16 walks, and 28 strikeouts. And in 38 uh, excuse me 32 games, Mauricio is hitting 333, 370, 581, with six homers, six steals, six walks, and 25 strikeouts. <clears throat> Both guys, obviously, stocks are way up. Yeah. Um, bigger thing, I think, is, is what do the Mets do here? Um, because, uh, I don't know, <clears throat> The Mets are kind of struggling. Mauricio and Vientos are both sucking cover off the ball. Do you risk, you know, bringing one or both up and having them basically suck? (laughs) For lack of better words, I guess, you know, um, and, you know, who do you replace them on the roster with? You know, I I don't know. There's, There's a lot. Of questions regarding like the Mets roster, and you know both of these guys are kind of forcing forcing the question, I guess. And I don't know if there's any good answers right now. Like, I I look at like Mauricio's numbers, I look at Vientas's numbers, and then I just feel like yeah, they can't do that. They're just going to suck at the major league level. Like,
0: yeah, it's which, it's time for them to put up or shut up in the majors because clearly AAA is doing nothing for them. Right, right, right. It's just, I, I could see how you fit uh, Mauricio on the roster because you just DFA Escobar and that's it. There's your one for one replacement. But it's literally a one for one. I guess he, you don't really want him to take right handed DH at bats, but, you know, it's fine. You could just use FAM and then McNeil could play the outfield and Mauricio could play second, whatever. But <clears throat> with Vientos, he just doesn't play anywhere. He's right. He's a short side of the platoon of a platoon DH. Like you're gonna have that and Vogelback on your roster, and Vogelback's hitting. And also, if Re- if Vientos was left-handed, then it would be even more funky. But you don't, there's just not a lot of left-handers. You just don't see them as much.
1: And if you, know? you have to and if you have to decide between, let's say, there's one spot open and you have to decide between the two of them, I have more faith in Vientos being able to produce than I do. Mauricio being able to produce <clears throat> just because of the historical issues that Mauricio has had and, you know, personally me not believing that he's kind of outgrown them yet just based on, like, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, uh, of production, you know?
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. I kind of wish they could just fuse into one player. Oh, God, if you could, that would be... Because then... And then it'd be Francisco Lindor, basically. Sure. But, I mean, like, if Vientos <laughs> could play a defensive position, then I'd be fine with him getting the call first. But I just... If you're going to cut Escobar for him, then your bench has, like, two players on it who could play the field. You know what I mean? Like, how, how, how is that sustainable?
1: Right, that's why I said it's such a...
0: Yeah, it's so hard. At like, least... Wh- at least maybe should play third and second and whatever.
1: It's like, what other time have you had a prospect where he's 10 home runs in literally a month? And, you know, Mauricio is on his way. He's he's on his way to, like, a 25-25 season. And you look at both these guys, and you're just kind of like, mm, I don't know, man. Like, 10 years ago, 2013, who was, like, the best prospect? You would have Cesar Pueyo is doing decently. And we were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. And now we see both these guys doing a lot better than Pueyo did, and we're
0: just kind of like, yeah. I think their histories, and we know the run environment is insane right Right. right now. Like, it's not discounting Mauricio's taking steps, and Vientos is doing all the damage that he could be doing, even though he needs to probably hit the ball more still. It's just, I don't... They're they're tough roster fits, because there's just... There's not a guy on the bench who you could be like, yeah... If Giorme could play the outfield too, then you could, you could do that. Or, you know, or if Fam could mm-hmm. play the infield, you could do that. But they can't. Like there, there's not. It's not a very flexible bench. Yep. And exactly. It makes it hard to fit those guys on the
5: roster.
4: Yeah. I mean, the ironic thing is that I trust. I don't want to call up Mauricio because I think he's gonna suck at the major league level and like. I think there's a chance some team would be duped into thinking he's a more valuable than he is right now in a trade. Whereas Vientos, I think, is does have like Vientos. I could buy as like a legitimate bench hitter. Like I, I'm much more willing to buy that role. But to Thomas's point, like Vientos doesn't fit positionally, and Mauricio kind of does. So
1: mm-hmm.
4: I, I think my answer is don't call up either of them, just because I don't believe in Mauricio, though.
1: I feel Mauricio definitely feels like if he came up to the major league he would initially struggle, like most prospects specs do. Nothing
5: yeah, against him.
1: I, but yeah. he would he would fall into worse habits than Vientos would. Vientos' issues are different from Mauricio's issues, and like I feel like Mauricio's issues could could definitely get away from him very quickly. It's it's
0: also if you're gonna call them up Neither one is going to play a ton unless you're yeah, that's starting it. to take away playing time from Canna and using McNeil as a corner outfielder. And, like, I, this is specifically the, uh, if you're calling it Mauricio, because Vientos is just a DH. Like, just that's all he's going to do. Pete Alonso is there to play first base. He can't play third. He's a DH. Like, if you're calling him up, it's because you want him to hit. That's fine. But... With Mauricio, like, I don't know how much he's going to play unless you start having Canna lose playing time, and then McNeil's in left, and then Mauricio's playing second, and that's not the cleanest fit, but then it's... They're going to come up and play a little... Like, with Beatty, he was coming up, and he was... Obviously, they messed around with it, but he's the third baseman. It took him, like, ten games to be the third baseman. It didn't take him very long. Alvarez is the catcher. It took him a little longer, but, you know, he's the catcher. Mauricio's not going to be the second baseman, is Jeff McNeil's there. Like, he's too good. He's not the problem. He's replacing a bench player. So I just don't really... It's tough.
5: Mm-hmm. It's a
0: tough ask for him, too. Hey, come up to a team with the intention... A veteran team with the intention of being a contender, and you're going to be a bench bat. That's tough have to ask a rookie to do that. Yep.
5: <clears throat> <clears throat> All
1: right. Uh, number 10, Dominic Hamill. And he's appeared in five games to the Rumble Ponies, and he currently has a 218 ERA and in 20.2 innings with 15 hits allowed, 13 walks, and 27 strikeouts. Um, personally, I'm going to say the stock is holding. Walks are really bad earlier in the first couple of starts. He's, he's getting them down now. Um, he's had two consecutive starts with good strikeout totals, you know. Do you just want to see everything kind of normalize, I guess, for another couple of starts before you could say like, get excited? <laughs> yeah. Basically. He's he's slightly
0: down for me just because of the walks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's I saw so many outings with it. it was like four innings because he would strike out nine and walk five. I'm like, oh Jesus! Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's hard to get excited about a pitching prospect like that because. If he's walking people in, like, double A and high A and stuff, you, he's going to get hit in the majors. It's hard. You know? Mm-hmm. So just slightly down, because I still think the stuff is there. He just needs to start putting it in the zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, number 11 is Calvin Ziegler, and he had surgery to remove bone spurs from his pitching elbow, like, around the beginning of the season, so... Best case scenario, he comes back to the field sometime over the summer, but who knows because the Mets, nothing goes right. Um,
0: Carlos Carrasco hours.
1: Yeah. I'll uh, move on now. Number 12, Mike Vasel And Vassal's appeared in five games for Binghamton. So far, he has a three twenty seven ERA in 22 innings
5: <clears throat>
1: with – 13 hits allowed, 4 walks and 34 strikeouts. Um that's stock up for me just because like holy oh, yeah. crap. That's an incredible strikeout to walk ratio for a starting pitcher. Stock yep. up for sure. I
4: yeah. think I think he's going to be overrated by like general Mets Twitter, but
1: mm.
4: his stock is still up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like even if he's a reliever, that's nice. Mhm. Yeah.
1: Um number 13. Stanley Consuegra. And in 20 games now with Brooklyn, he is hitting 276, 356, 553 with four home runs, two steals, and nine walks to 18 strikeouts. It's a big, big stock up for me. Yep. Um, you know, we, we've basically lumped him and Alex Ramirez together because, you know, they're both similar aged outfield prospects. They've basically been on the same team for like, uh, year plus now whatever we've lightly touched on the fact that the difference in talent between the two of them is not as stark as a lot of people realize i think at this point i'm on record as favoring Consuegra over ramirez
4: i am ramirez, there too
1: yeah ramirez i feel has a higher floor but Consuegra has ladder like impact tools you know he has the power he has an okay swing it is there's gonna be a lot of hit and miss there but you know, you could say the same exact thing about Alex Ramirez, too, and he does not have the pop that Consuega shows.
0: <clears throat> and he shows game power. Yeah. Like, he's like, doing in games. He's hitting, slugging five-something.
5: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. It's not like he's taking bat loud batting practice and then hitting two singles. Like, he's hitting the ball hard with authority. Yeah. They, sh- they should probably be calling him up at this point. Not, not to the Mets, to double-A. I yeah.
1: mean, the Mets might be able to use that. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Drastic times
1: call for drastic measures. <clears throat> if Michael Harris could do it, am I right? Right, exactly. In order to beat the Braves, you need to play their I own beat. game. Yep. All right, uh, number 14, Jacob Reimer. And he started out the month a little slow, but by the end of the month now, he's kind of found his groove. And he's hitting 260, 408, 325, in 23 games. Um, you know, average is fine. On-base percentage is fantastic. Um 15 walks to 70 strikeouts in 23 games. Um yes, it's very similar to Jet. You know, the, the average is like whatever, but great on base, great strikeout ratios. Lack of power is a little concerning, but they're still young, it's still early in the season, so it's not, you know, like catastrophically like, oh my god, what is wrong with this guy? You know, yeah, if it not- was a still- if it was July and he still had a O sixty five ISO, I'd be like, all right, this is not great, but it's it's seventy seven at bats, you know?
0: Yeah.
4: Stop hitting the ball on the ground challenge.
0: You've <laughs> going young Brett Beatty mode. I said, yeah, work for Beatty. So. <laughs> He's going young so then that's what is gonna happen. He's gonna lift the ball and be one of the best prospects in baseball. You heard it here first. Nice. <laughs>
4: I think uh, I think we as a consensus were a little bit higher on him to start, but I mean for for us maybe the stock is holding, but for the general opinion, I think it should be stock up. Like
0: I agree,
4: this is a fourth round pick playing at this level, like that's pretty nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, number fifteen is Joel Diaz, and he had Tommy John surgery right before the season started, so he's going to miss the entire year. And same can be said about number 16, Matthew Allen. He had mm. UCL vision surgery, which is basically God. Tommy John. This is depressing. So. Yeah, yeah, this is where it gets sad now. It's the point where it gets sad. Number 17, Jose Budo. He had a weird first month of the season. You know, got called up because of all the injuries and suspensions and whatever. pitched decently um to his credit, a even three ERA in twelve innings over a couple of starts in a relief outing. I'm just interested to see like what becomes of Budo. Um, you know, Verlander's back, Scherzer's back. Uh, David Peterson got sent to triple A, but I think, you know, if you compare Budo and Peterson, I, I feel like Peterson is the better of the two. Uh, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still
0: calling up Peterson first in yeah, case of so. emergency. But so, can okay, we'll Peterson
1: pitch better. Just yeah, pitch I know. Better forehead. <laughs> I mean, he he could, but is he? Is the question? <laughs> so yeah, I don't even really know how to grade. I mean, I guess it's just stock up just because Budo got called up and he didn't look dis- you know he didn't get destroyed. He looked all right. So he looks
0: like if you if you need him to start against like a bad team, you can and it'll be fine. Like it might not be great, but you could win that game anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm not throwing him, if you have to throw him against Atlanta, you're sweating him, you know, but yeah. if if he, he can pitch against the A and there's plenty of bad teams on the schedule, like, that's kind of what baseball is now, most teams are bad, like, if he has to go pitch against the Reds or something, it might be okay, or, like, the A's, it was fine, you know?
1: Yeah, like he those, can give you four or five innings and keep you in the game,
0: great. Yeah, he's not good, at least right now, but his, he has the sweep, he has a, I think it looks like a cutter <laughs> thingy, I guess it's like a slider cutter thing that looks a little better than it makes him more of a, more of a depth guy than he was before when he was just that change up fastball. It was not good. I'm comfortable with Jose
4: Budo seventh or eighth. No, not seventh, eighth or ninth starter. Like if that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Like, unfortunately the Mets are on their ninth and 10th starters. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. it's just like, you're like who is, I don't even know who's in the pitching rotation right now. Neither do the Mets. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Joey Lucchesi pitched today on like 4 days rest.
5: Like, yeah, yeah.
1: Did not do great. But that's what happens I guess when you're asking your seventh starter to pitch on 4 days rest
0: fresh off Tommy John
1: surgery. <laughs> fresh off Tommy John surgery. Not the situation that we uh expected things to be on May uh, beginning of May. Yeah. All right, um, number 18 now, right-handed pitcher, Lionel Avias. And Avias has made five appearances, four starts, and a relief outing um, with St. Lucie. He has a 482 ERA in 18.2 innings with 14 hits allowed, eight walks, and 15 strikeouts. Um, it's still a pretty small sample size because of the innings, amount of innings. You know, we're talking two five-outing games, uh, excuse me, two five-inning games. One four inning game, one 3.2 inning game. You know, I'm just gonna say holding because his peripheral numbers look decent, and once he starts pitching a little more, you know, hopefully his walk rate, his strikeout rates, things start, uh, you know, balancing out a little bit better.
5: Mhm.
4: Yep, that seems reasonable. I've not watched. I don't think I've actually seen any of his performances this year, so I can't. I don't have any impression whether his stuff is backed up
1: at all. The numbers, everything is more or less. I think the spin rates are down a little bit, but not mm. enough that you would be like concerned about anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's and me also, not doing again, my it's, homework. It's, it's the beginning of the year, also. So if a guy's, you know, I vaguely remember like his his average spin rate or something is down like a hundred and ten RPM or something. Like, yeah, that that'll come. All uh, right. Number 19, Bryce Montestoca. Uh, he started the season on the mm. injured list. This uh, I I just feel bad for this guy. So not even just because of the injuries, but just this this situation. You know, he needed surgery to have bone chips taken out of his elbow. And then while they do that, they notice his UCL is fried and they and they give him Tommy John surgery while he's already on the operating table. Like Imagine waking up to that news. Yeah, I'd be so upset. crazy i mean like i i don't i don't know the 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 medical ethics of of all that i'm assuming that you know when the doctors open you up you know if if there's an issue you already have given pre-approval that you know do anything that you need to do whatever but that just sucks
4: i would also 100% bet that there was some idea that this might be necessary beforehand. Right. You don't just go in there without doing pre-imaging or anything. Like, yeah. Yeah. They probably told him beforehand, like, yeah, we see a little bit of damage here. You might not need it, but if we're in there and it's looks bad, we're going to fix it. Like they, they It's not like they, he wakes up like you did. What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, wait,
0: rise. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, if not that it, does, not that it off. doesn't suck, but it wasn't, it wasn't to that extent. Yeah,
0: yeah. And he would have been, like, on the major league team now. Okay. Yeah. It just sucks for him. Like, I mean, this was the break. This was the time.
1: Mm-hmm. He got, mm-hmm. what was it, like, 10 games last year or 10 innings, whatever it was. A little bit of time. I, I don't want to say that his spot in the bullpen was, like, guaranteed and safe, but I think he was definitely a preferable option. Something at other least guys at, there at least
0: in spring, I was pretty confident he was gonna yeah make the team the way he was pitching he looked he looked like one of the ten best not ten whatever it is thirteen whatever best relievers that the Met's had right. he looked like he was part of that group one hundred percent
1: he was not Jimmy Yacobanis. mm. All right, number 20 is shortstop Jesus Baez. He hasn't played uh, in any games yet. We've gotten some good reviews from people in the organization, and his numbers in the DSL last year are decent. So I'd expect that he starts the year in the uh, complex, Florida complex, when the season starts in a couple of weeks. So, you know, holding just because he hasn't played or anything.
5: Yep
4: a little bit down just because he didn't start the year in full season ball after all the talking up they did. But that's, <laughs> Sure, that's fair, yeah. but... Anyway.
1: I you up and then knock you down. Number 21, Junior Santos. He has five starts under his belt so far this year, and he has a 685 ERA in 23.2 innings with 30 hits allowed, <clears throat> 13 walks, and 18 uh, strikeouts peripherals were all trending in the wrong direction you know i hate to say we're like three years of him being in full season ball now we're still waiting for like a marquee game for him and it's just a stock down like uh. yeah and yes he is interesting size yes he has interesting pitch characteristics yes he's still one of the youngest pitchers in the eastern league but it's just like i said it's just we don't have one single thing that you can, like, hang your head on with him, you know? The numbers aren't great. They haven't been. Things are trending in the wrong direction. You, I, I really can't think of a single moment and I was just looking at, you know, a start or numbers and be like, okay, good. He can really start building from this point on, you know, just none of that.
0: He gives me energy of the guy who gets traded as a throw-in and then is someone fixes him or figures it out. Yeah, no. but I don't know if that's going to happen here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't need to
4: say
1: anything. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You've said all that needs to be said. Yes. <laughs> all right. Number 22 is center fielder Willie Fanias. Um, yeah, he has not played in any games yet. Unlike um, Simon Wan, he's a little bit on the older side. Because of the contract shenanigans that the Ag- Angels pulled um, when he first signed, he was 18 last year. He's he turned 19 in, in January. Even though he didn't really dominate the DSL last year, he wasn't horrible either. So those things combined, I could see the Mets maybe him bringing him stateside this year when the season starts. Um, you know, the DSL starts a little bit before, so maybe he gets into a couple of games and then comes stateside. But I don't know. Either way, he hasn't played, so yep, not much to say really. <clears throat> um, number 23 Eric Orze mm. he started the year with A Syracuse and through 9 games now he has a 10.50 ERA in 12 innings with 13 hits allowed, 8 walks and 11 strikeouts um, all the peripherals have trended in the wrong directions, he's giving up a ton of hits, he's giving up a lot of hard contact um, you know if if he had a better April, given everything that's going on with the Mets right now, he probably would have gotten a call. But it's just, he's struggling. Struggles have definitely come at the wrong time.
0: Grant Hartwig it's, better.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is.
5: Yeah. Which sucks. Yep.
4: Did Orsi Ors- ever get, has he had any major league time? Did he get like a an inning or two?
0: Or am I misremembering? No. No. Because he was he was like the next guy up last year, and then he just gave up every home run.
1: Yeah, kind of this right, kind of the same thing. Like yeah, like last yes the, it's kind of same thing happened. Like it was starting to look like okay, it might be his time, and then he just crapped the bed.
0: Yeah, basically.
1: I think he was also on the injured list too for for a little bit last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know, poor Orzy. number 24 is simon juan he's not played yet um i think that he'll probably play in the dsl he was 16 last year he wasn't particularly great so
5: yep
1: have another go at it yep yep and last but not least is number 25 william lugo and he started the year in extended spring training. He was just recently signed to Brooklyn. Um, he's only played in a couple of games, so I'm going to just say stock holding because he has not done anything good or bad.
0: That's fair. <clears throat> yeah, We have no
5: clue.
1: Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, as a whole, the system gets very – the, the dynamics of things change very very much very quickly at like 12 or so you know you have the top 10 and then once you get past like um vassal and like raymer and then that's the end of it basically
4: is it raymer or rhymer i don't know that we've settled on a pronunciation here
1: i i don't know i I, kind i probably say both
4: I do too. Yeah. Apparently, Buto is actually Buto, according to the broadcast.
1: Well, it's Jose Buto, and too bad. We're from, <laughs> we're from Brooklyn, and that's the end of it.
4: Mm, I see.
1: I always said Rhymer in my head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is um, a pretty sad system. <laughs> it's 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 perfect it's crazy right like they they make
4: all these hires that on the surface make sense that should be analytically inclined and look we're only like six weeks less into the minor league season like that's not enough of a sample size to draw any conclusions but the early signs here are like who who is stock up in the system and, and and I don't mean like marginal stock up. Like where's the, where's the notable breakout here, right? Where's the pitching dev success? Where's the random seventh round college guy getting turned
0: into an actual reliever? Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like Tyler Stewart has been interesting. That's a good call. That's a good show. Um,
1: yeah, there's a couple of guys that are obviously not in the top uh, twenty five list that are having decent seasons that maybe might turn themselves into something. <clears throat> But you need to be doing
4: better like uh, and and they they they're, again get it all because all of it is connected right like if we look at the major league roster, like there are risks associated with having all these old guys, but if you're the Mets, that's your only choice because your development system is not producing the kind of players you need to yeah. not have a roster with an average age of thirty five.
0: And as we get, as it, as there's less guys and less guys who are out there to, as there's less guys and less guys to call up, and there's this stuff is not working. You're gonna have to keep going back to the well, the free agent well, constantly,
5: uh-huh. constantly. Uh-huh.
0: And sometimes you're gonna get years like this where, I mean, obviously it's May and look at the Phillies. I'm sure the Phillies podcasts were going nuts so last year, and now here they were, you know, going to the World Series, so anything could happen. But like. It's been it's been tough because it's when you have to take these risks, like Lucas said, sometimes Mark Canna isn't good anymore. You know, like just to pull a name <laughs> out of a hat. Sometimes Starling Marte takes a step back physically and it's and it hurts his game. And then you're just kind of they don't have anyone to call up. Yeah. Like the, the Braves went on that huge run last year because they called all their prospects up. <clears> then <throat> now they're on the team so now they're just they're they're good you know uh-huh, uh-huh. and the braids don't really have anyone left but they don't need anyone because everyone's there so now that everyone's young and there they get to recycle they get to restock the farm system and then when the farm system's restocked again it'll be 4 or 5 years from now when a, when some guys are worse some guys are gone whatever you know so because obviously, they're not keeping everyone. Like Dan's, we left, and Max Fried is probably going to go because they don't pay anyone after 30 or whatever. So I don't know.
1: You mentioned before there's no uh, developmental successes. <clears throat> I'm just going to highlight two. I just thought off the top of my head. Mr. Manny Rodriguez currently has a 395 ERA in 13.2 innings of Brooklyn. And Mr. Harris Brody has a three ERA in nine innings with Brooklyn.
0: And the Manny Rodriguez one is really interesting because he position player convert stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, obviously, it's not changing the equation of how sports works. Like, Kenley Jansen was a catcher convert. It's not exactly a rare thing. But I just feel like the Mets never did stuff like that.
1: No, it's the first time I can really remember, like, Outside of emergency, you know, position players pitching. I can't recall the last time, like, a position player transitioned.
0: Because that dude's just a reliever now. Mm -hmm. And who knows? He always threw hard. He had a great arm at shortstop. So, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. Why why not? Why why would you cut him? Like, let us keep his career going. You put him in Brooklyn's bullpen. Then he's been mostly good. I think he had a bad outing... One of the games I recapped recently, he kind of got lit up. But, of course, relievers was going to get lit up. It's a learning experience. But he's been good most of the times I've watched
1: the Brooklyn game and I've seen him. I'm trying to think. I feel like the last time that the Mets actually changed up was like Marcus De La Cruz. I
4: don't even remember who that was, if I'm being honest.
1: Or like, what the hell is it? You carry De La Cruz, maybe? Well, we're going back. back. We're going yeah, back, like, I'm I'm going back like 2012 Savannah Sands like. Oh man. Yeah, like uh, I, I'm gonna actually look that up. I'm gonna try to find if I could find the last guy that they changed. Who? It doesn't even have to be good. Just a guy that they like changed.
4: I also, I mean, I, I, Grand Hartwig fits that bucket as in this bucket to a degree as well. Like,
1: as
0: a guy who popped, yeah. I agree. Yeah, like
4: yeah. But but it's not good enough. Like. No. Especially when you see guys... And, like, I, I, I'm i obviously never been a Junior Santos fan, but, but Jared Seidler, who is much more experienced and has watched him more and knows more than I have ever known about any of this stuff, has commented that there's some interesting stuff with Santos that the Mets just have never made anything of. Right? Like... And I and I look at a guy like Dominic Hamel and like there is good stuff here and the Mets can't make any can't make more of it than than what it is like. They just don't get the most out of their guys, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's frustrating.
1: And that is <clears throat> literally the point of the system is, you know, you don't want to have guys. OK, like we know they're good. And then they just kind of coast on the fact that they've been good. You want guys to come in and then get better. And it's just not really something the Mets, and especially when you figure the way that the Mets, I, I know that there have been, you know, it's been lauded, and on draft night, it's kind of fun and exciting, but the way that they've been drafting the last couple of years results in something like this, where this system is just completely devoid of depth talent, I guess is a good point. I to mean, it. I
4: think they, I think they, their draft strategy has been better in recent years and it's just
1: you, you can look at it two ways. I think if you look at it from the point of maximizing potential Major league ability, there's nothing wrong with it because that's how you get your Brett Beatty's Josh Wolfs and Matthew Allen's and and you know all in the same draft or your, you know, Isaiah Greens and JT Ginns. You know, like when you're doing it front loading it like massively like that. Yeah, you, know, you get the more talented guys, the more likely to become major league players, and at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. But then it leaves your farm system with just crap, and that's kind of when you have a farm system that's full of crap, and then you don't have the dev- developmental ability to get more from the people that you have. Then you start having a system like this, where just like devoid of just anything, and I think.
0: Last year's draft is going to be like they have they got Williams from it obviously and Parada and Reimer, and they should have signed Sprout, but they drafted Sprout, and that was a good call.
1: Last year's was good because even though it was kind of top loaded, you can also see the utility in a lot of the guys later on. Yeah, which like, is not not something you can say necessarily about like 2019 or or you know 2021.
0: No, they're they're clearly moving in a more modern direction, and that will. And that will beget more minor league talent, but also we're at the we're just so. I think it's easy to forget how early it is in the Steve Cohen ownership cycle, where because they won 101 games last year, I don't think anyone expected them to do that so quickly. Even though Cohen was saying like a World Series in three to five years or whatever, I mean owners say that stuff, and I don't. I'm not saying I didn't believe him, but it's more like it's more like it's so early on in his ownership cycle this that the changes that they need to make to be a modern organization are still they're still learning how to make those changes Mm
5: -hmm.
0: because they were like the wolpons were like behind behind we're not talking about just a little behind they were like one of the worst organizations in the sport so there's a lot of catching up they have to do and it's just not a lot of time to be to do it and it's been frustrating like this whole stretch of Mets baseball where all the old guys look like they're taking a step back. And it's like, well, what are they supposed to do? It's like, well, he's going to have to do the same thing next year. He's going to have to if he doesn't sign Otani, he's going to have to sign like Matt Chapman, you know, mm-hmm. or he's going to have to sign, uh, Aaron Nola. Cause, cause who's pitching, you know, yep. when like who's coming, there's no one you, unless you're going to rebuild, which you can do, but I don't see why anyone with Steve Cohen's budgetary, not unrestrictions would do that. So,
4: budgetary <laughs> on <un-restrictions.
0: laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny way to say it but like for real though like there's it, if, if Steve Cohen came came out on a press conference and said yeah we're going to tear this team down I'm like buddy you made like two billion dollars two days ago like just <laughs> spend the money on the Mets you know what I mean
5: mm-hmm.
0: so it's going to be weird it, it's, it's going to take some time we have to be patient and sports are not for the patient and I'm not a patient person so
4: Really? I to, I had no
0: idea. Yeah. I have zero patience for stuff. And so it's just yeah, they're in a weird spot.
1: Well, hopefully when we do this next, you know, when we review the the, the team a month from now, hopefully things are looking better. <clears throat> uh, if anyone has any questions, comments or whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter and shoot us questions there i'm at steve seiper lucas is at ElvaHost 343 ken is at ken 1191 thomas is at said season S-Z-N. subscribe to the podcast and rate and review it and of course we thank you for listening and as a reminder we are now a patreon based outfit so if you do like our podcast or any of the other ones that are in the whole run apple network you can subscribe for five dollars a month and you'll get extra things like bonus episodes and exclusive content and just the deep down satisfaction of knowing that you are helping us so until then next week love the mets love the mets